Good afternoon, good afternoon, good afternoon. This is Humble Dame coming to you guys on this Whimsical Wednesday. Today is Whimsical Wednesday and I wanted to come and speak to you guys today about something uh, that I have been working through myself. Um, I want to talk about how our society is compulsive and addicted. And for me personally, so I can have a relatable factor to let you know that I'm not coming from a place of judgment, but from a place of understanding and information. Um, I am addicted to cigarettes and I have been addicted to cigarettes since about the age of 19. Um, now during my pregnancies, I have several children. I will stop, start, stop, start. And so throughout the years, uh, it's just been a terrible addiction of mine. And so I wanted to kind of read more into this addiction factor and how I see that everyone around me is addicted. Um, in my college years, I used to drink quite a bit. And when I mean, when I want to mean quite a bit, it was a lot. Uh, I could drink anyone under the table. I was uh, a heavy drinker. It didn't bother me. I come from a family full of alcoholics, drug addicts, drunks, um, addicted to everything in the world, porn, uh, gambling addictions, my grandfather, my grandmother. So it goes way back. Right. So as I'm pretty sure many of your families does as well. Um, I also have uh, within my family religious addictions. A lot of these, uh, whatever the religion is, I've seen some of my family members switch from Christian to Muslim and uh, they are like serious about that. But it seems more like an addiction to cover something. So in my quest um, throughout the many years and deep introspection uh, throughout this quarantine of uh, this addiction of mine that I have to cigarettes. I wanted to reach out for some relatable uh, uh, conversing or relatable uh, dialogue, if you will, through this monologue that I will be speaking about. I'm going to be coming from one of my favorite books, which you guys already know. It's called Healing the Shame That Binds You by Toxic by, um, sorry, John Bradshaw. And he talks about several things when it comes to addiction. And I believe the way he broke it down was uh, very, very uh, wonderful for me to be able to understand. And I think it helped you guys out as well. So he talks about perfectionism, um, the religious script. Now, all of these may not seem to go together according to your um, cultural mind or your cultural system where no one will put religion with addiction. But he has a statement in here that says religious addiction. Um, and he puts it with other addictions. And I think that that's a beautiful thing because um, in my quest to stop smoking cigarettes, I believe that I did become addicted to religion as well. Um, thinking that if I fast and if I pray and if I fast, not saying those things don't work. But if you're doing them out of compulsion, um, out of to alter your mood um, and something or trying to trade off something bad that you're doing for, quote unquote, what we consider good. Um, and you're still not getting to the root of the problem, you still have an addiction. So coming from an addictive personality such as myself, I hope this will help someone. He talks about professional uh, perfectionism, the religious script. Religion has a major source of shaming through perfectionism. Moral shoulds, oughts, and must have been sanctioned by subjective interpretations of religious revelation. The Bible has been used to justify all sorts of blaming judgment. Religious professionalism teaches a kind of behavioral righteousness. There is a religious script which contains the standards of holiness and righteous behavior. These standards dictate how to talk. There is a proper God voice, how to dress, walk, and behave in almost every situation. Departure from this standard is deemed sinful. When a professionalistic system creates is a how to get it right behavioral script. In such a script, one is taught how to act loving and righteous. It's actually more important to act loving and righteous than to be loving and righteous. 
The feeling of righteousness and acting sanctimoniously are wonderful ways to mood alter toxic shame. There are often ways to interpersonally transfer one's shames to others. And so I thought that was just like a mouthful for me when I was reading through that. Um, Cause I grew up in an extremely religious home, Christian home. Um, I couldn't have boys call the a house until I was 16. I didn't have my first kiss till I was 16. I couldn't go on dates. I couldn't, you know, stay out late. Um, I was in church when I was younger, probably about four or five days a week. Um, my mom was the, the church's nurse. And so, um, and seeing some of her uh, flaws and frailties as well um, through a child's perspective. And now as an adult woman, I can see that maybe there was a bit of religious addiction there um, because it was right to act like this man says here, John Bradshaw, to act loving and righteous instead of being that. Right. And so I could see that was a mood altering kind of like a mood altering uh uh, addiction for her is anything that alters your mood is, uh, and you're addicted to it and you have to do it. It's something that you're addicted to. It's not something that's coming from a pure place. And so I've, I've definitely had to look within myself and within, uh, strands of my biological family unit, uh, uh, extended and also, uh, immediate to see that there is extreme addiction, extreme religious addiction. And, um, I've seen that that covers up a lot of other addictions that I've seen with my own eyes personally within myself and others. And so, uh, I do not want to pass this down as I'm sure you guys don't to your children. I have to begin to uh, face these things. And one thing that I was taught when I was going to AA, yes, I went to AA. I told you guys, I was a huge drinker back in my college days. Uh, I was taught the secrets keep you sick when you keep secrets and what happens in this house stays in this house keeps us sick. Um, now, I do not believe in going around popping off at the mouth, you know, slandering people's character and, you know, telling lies and and hurting other families and things of that nature. There is a right and a wrong way to uh, divulge your secrets without it hurting anyone and it freeing you. And so hopefully that this wonderful podcast that we're having today will kind of be an uh, open door, opening up, up, up the door of secrets, uh, things that I have uh, noticed within myself and within my biological family. The reason I say biological family, because someone can be biologically, that's according to your vessel, um, your physical vessel. You guys have similar DNA. You came from, you know, brothers and sisters and Right. You know, your moms and, and brothers and all of that type of stuff, aunties, uncles, all of this stuff. Um, that does not mean that they're your actual family. Family protects. And so when I say biological family, I am distinguishing um, between a family that protects and a biological family um, It's not from a place of bitterness it's from a place of betterment to be able to um, distinguish is a huge thing. And acknowledgement is a huge thing. So once you acknowledge, I think this is a biological family and not a a true sense of what I believe family is. Um, this will help you to actually get uproot some of that toxic shame and get to some of the roots of why are you addicted to what you're addicted to, right? And so in me searching, why am I addicted to cigarettes, right? I know it's a physical component. Nicotine is hugely addictive. Um, but at one time I was addicted to liquor. I was addicted to vodka. That was my drink. And so I'm no longer addicted to that anymore because what I did was I cut off people who I considered that were, I consider, excuse me, I consider that were probably um, close to me or romantic relationships that were actually extremely toxic and were feeding some type of toxic shame that was leading me and my dysfunctional thought process, right? Because I told you uh, generational curses are passed down through dysfunction. 
And so in my family, if I saw if I saw someone having a hard day, they would have a drink. Every last one of them, mother included. Uh, or they'll smoke some weed or they'll smoke some cigarettes or they'll fight or, you know, and a lot of times all, all of those, all of the above. And so those are the same uh, coping mechanisms I would reach to. And so um, after chopping off with my higher powers help, chopping off the uh, alcoholism, now I'm trying to uh, tackle this nicotine addiction, right, with these cigarettes. It's the, a disgusting habit, right? And I'm very aware of that. It's very disgusting. It makes your breath smells bad. It's bad for your teeth, bad for, your, bad for everything. And so I wanted to begin to delve deeper into this. Um, this is very painful work. It's very hard work. If you're afraid of uh, embarrassment or humiliation, this is a, a way, a path that you will never walk. You will probably continue to stay on the addictive road of just reaching for overt um, and covert coping mechanisms that are dysfunctional and that are bad for your personhood. It's bad for your uh, mind, body and soul. And um, although I cannot reach a level of perfectionism, which I see that John Bradshaw refers to it as the religious script, I certainly can uproot everything I possibly can not to pass it to my children. Right. And so we do make mistakes in our parenthood and some things my kids will gravitate to. As they begin to get older, but hopefully by me doing the, this uh, extremely, it's extremely um, exhaustive uh, inner work. And it's kind of like cross generational work to see where are the issues that um, within, within the biological family that have been planted in me as seeds. Not only just to cut down the tree, but we have to uproot it. And so um, I love the fact that he put religious addiction in there. Like I said before, whether you go to mass or you go to the synagogues or you know, you go to the uh, temple, whatever you do. Right. Um, if you're using that to alter your mood about things that you feel bad about, it's not really it's not really solving any problems. It's just altering your mood. So you could become addicted to that. Like you could become addicted to prayer where you feel like if something makes you uncomfortable and you pray about it and now you feel better after you pray. But if you have to feel that you have to keep doing that keep, you know, keep doing it. It's not persistence. It's an addiction, right? It's different if you're persistent in something, I believe in those uh, principles. But if you feel like you have to do these, it become ritualistic, right? Something you have to do in order you can get this feeling, then it is an addiction. And that's coming from a person that is addicted, Come, coming from a family that's addicted to everything you can, you know, think of, you know. And so I also have kids uh, with men that are extremely addicted to everything you can think of. And so um, this is coming from a person that has been surrounded by and enmeshed in and, and submerged in addiction, um, where I can definitely see it from a religious standpoint. So I just want to uh, point as an air of caution there. When you are seeking out whatever your religious affiliation, I respect all religious affiliations. Uh, this is a no judgment zone. Um, whenever you're seeking out uh, through prayer or meditation or, uh, you know, decrees or whatever you do. Um, make sure that it's not just to alter your mood, but it's not altering you. That's what I wanted to get to within myself. Right. And so it took a lot of introspection, uh, uh, a lot of uh, denial of myself in a good way, because all denial is not bad um, to break the alcoholism. Like I just used to have a drink at night. Oh, I had a bad day where you would make up any excuse to have that. Right. And so it becomes a mood altering thing. And so in order to uh, tackle other in order to tackle other addictions, um, you have to be able to figure out what is the root of that. And so that's just the air of caution. And I love the way he put that John Bradshaw and healing the shame that binds you. You do not want to use religion 
as uh as uh, your bomb you know if you will or um become addicted to it right so i'm going to continue reading now he speaks about religious addiction mood alteration is an ingredient of compulsive addictive behavior addiction has been described as a pathological relationship to any mood altering experience that has life damaging consequences toxic shame has been suggested as the core and fuel of all addiction religious addiction is rooted in toxic shame which can be readily mood altered through various religious behaviors. One can get feelings of righteousness through any form of worship. One can fast, pray, meditate, serve others, go through sacramental rituals, speak in tongues, be slain in the Holy Spirit, quote the Bible, read Bible passages, say the name of Yahweh or Jesus. Any of these can be a mood altering experience. If one is toxically shamed, such an experience can be immensely rewarding. The disciples of any religious system can say we are good and the others uh, and those others are not like us. Those are sinners. They're bad. This can be exhilarating to the souls of toxically shamed persons. Righteousness is a form of shameless behavior. I'm going to say that again because that just was like that just smacked me in the face. Righteousness is a form of shameless behavior. Since healthy shame says we can and will inevitably Sorry, I butchered that word. Make mistakes. The Bible says the just man will fall 70 times. Seven, 70 times seven. Then righteousness becomes a kind of selfless behavior. All in all, the religious system has been a major source of toxic shame for many people. And then he goes on to speak about, of course, like I spoke about before, uh, the success addiction. Um, I mean, he goes really, really into it. And it's just like, wow. And so he's basically talking about the hiding places of shame, um, denial of our emotions. You can either be too emotional where you're addicted to emotions or you act like you have none. And I'm not talking about having tact because I have been accused of not of being robotic or not having emotions. I do. I believe in trying to uh, express them in a comfortable and a safe space. Right. So if you don't feel comfortable or, or safe or it's not the right time and place, then, you know, uh, govern yourselves accordingly. Um, but this is really, really good. I'm going to continue reading this book again. I'm reading healing the shame that binds you by John Bradshaw. I hope that this helped you just to kind of crack open the door a little bit on, uh, uncomfortable, uh, maybe perhaps for you embarrassing or humiliating or shameful, uh, addiction, you know, the, the subject of addiction, which I am surrounded by it. So I can't do nothing but talk about it. Um, I'm, I'm I was born and raised up in it. And having an addictive personality um, is not something that I and myself uh, believe is shameful. Um, I believe that I, once I get to the bottom of a lot of this, then there's something beautiful is going to grow out of that. And that's me not passing some of these dysfunctional behaviors down to my children or my grandchildren. Right. It's about legacy. And a legacy is not just about how much money you leave someone or how good your name was by an act of righteousness that you put on. But about what you were and what you broke. And uh, what you help grow. Right. And so that's one of the things that I am reaching for um, within my time here on this earth. Uh, and so it's very important. It's very important. And so once you begin to look at it from that um, aspect, the legacy that I leave is I don't want to do what was what was done to me. I don't want to continue that. Right. The bad things. Right. Um, I don't want the dysfunctional things. Right. The uh, the, the denial, the, the religious addiction. You know, the uh, uh, addiction to drugs, the addiction to sex, the addiction to pornography, gambling. I don't want to continue those behaviors. And so uh, some of the things I have been doing where we have to 
put this advice into practicality, right? It has to be practical, um, is trying to create new habits. And some may seem out of the box to religious people, right? We just spoke about the ones that are religiously addicted. They are addicted to religiosity. It's an act of righteousness and of loving, but it's not being love and being righteous, which to be righteous, right, is shameless. You know that you're going to make a mistake. And so in making a mistake, you learn from that mistake, you apologize when need be, and then you get up again. But an act of religious is to be in denial and say, I didn't do anything at all, and to blame shift. I do not want to carry on that thought process to my children. Um, I don't think that it's healthy for your parenthood. It's not good for your manhood or womanhood. So this is some tough work I'm doing. But getting back to the point, some practical things that I've been doing, um, it's like uh, maybe diff- trying different workout routines. I know that sounds crazy, but... Um, if I feed a workout routine and starve as much as possible, um, as far as weaning myself from cigarettes, then I can get them out of my system. Right. Um, and also, uh, changing what I'm reading, changing what I'm listening to. Um, it's very important what you're feeding your eyes, what you're feeding your ears, you know, goes into your mind and your soul. Um, changing the music I listen to sometimes certain music, you know, I love trap music. I love me some rap, you know, but some genres of the rap, right. Cause there's different genres in rap. You have underground and then you have the commercial. Some of that stuff can kind of provoke you. Like I was, you know, I'm going to buy you a drink, right? That type of music, R&B. And it'll make you want to be like, I'm just going to give me something to drink or just might as well smoke. And so uh, you have to kind of wean off and change what you're listening to as well. And it's going to take uh, hard work and you will fall down. It says a righteous man falls down 70 times seven. Not act like he never fell down and everything is okay and everybody around him enables and is in denial and rebukes anyone that calls him out on a mistake. I don't want to continue that behavior because for me, um, having an addictive personality, um, I don't think that that's, that will push you further into shame for me personally. And so I don't want to get rid of any toxic shame and walk in shamelessness. You know, we actually uh, use in culture, we use shameless as a taboo and and as an insult. Oh, she's shameless. But I do want to be shameless. And so, therefore, other people's addictions to religiosity, to substances, to sex, to gambling, to pornography, whatever, it doesn't bother me because I've been around it all. Their addictions can't can't push any uh, buttons or trigger any shame within me because I'm uprooting that out of me. And so when you are root toxic shame about of you and if you have been an addiction as I have been and, and surrounded by it, I was raised by it. And this is not to put anyone down. This is just the, the, the there was this was the scheme behind the scenes. Right. This was the scheme behind the scenes. Um, when you have grown up in that, when I see other people that are addicted to certain things, it does not cause me to judge them. It caused me to have compassion on them. Now, the other people will not reciprocate your compassion. Because they can't, they're, they're, they're rooted in toxic shame and they have a huge tree and trunk that they have this trunk of the self-hatred and there's these branches and trees and fruit is of denial and of hatred. And those things are born out of that. Right. And so they're not going to reciprocate that to you. And that's fine. You have to be okay with that because even that can be a lesson to you to where it can show you if I was so deeply in toxic shame, I'd probably be the same way. 
Right. And so a higher power or, or uh, uh, an entity outside of yourself has to push, have to pull you out of that. So you don't I can't even take credit for it, um, but it is hard work. You have to do the work. You can, This is not hocus pocus. This is not magic. And, you know, the Disney sense. Uh, this is hard work and it takes a lot of self-introspection. It takes um, and most people will consider that criticism or that you hate yourself. Um, I would say people who look at you as having a journey within or uh, trying to uh, uh, cut yourself off from certain toxic and, and uh, addictions and behaviors and people when they try to reverse it back on you and say, oh, you hate yourself. Those people actually don't know who they are and they're in toxic shame. So you could just have compassion on them and just keep further on your journey. Um, who wants to pass down to their daughter smoking cigarettes? Like, oh, uh, you look at your baby when you first have it. Say, I want my daughter to smoke cigarettes. I want my daughter to be abused and misused by me and all of the women in my family. here. Nobody wants to pass that down, not in their right mind. And so it takes one person just to say enough. And so if you are that one person, you will be fought tragically. It will. It will be tragic and it's going to be hard. You're going to be ostracized. You're going to be humiliated. You're going you're going to be embarrassed once you push past all of those. Keep going. Okay, so I just wanted to come and speak to you guys about that today. Again, the book that I was reading from was Healing the Toxic Shame That Binds You. It is by John Bradshaw. And I hope that you wish me well on my journey of trying to stop smoking these cigarettes. Okay, and getting rid of other addictions and toxic things. This is not uh, a journey of perfectionism. Perfectionism is fake. Um, no one is perfect and nothing. Uh, you could be an expert and still not be perfect because the, the world is yet evolving. Right. And so uh, this is uh, an, a journey on uh, towards healthiness, towards healing. And so it's a hard journey. And sometimes you have to hurt to heal and it hurts to uh, to expose our secrets. Right. It hurts to expose our secrets. But if it's not going to expose, it's going to get gangrene. It's going to be sick. And so you do not want to walk around and end up being double minded or living a quadruple life, living a double life. You got to be this way to this person, that way to that person. And you can't keep up with your lies. That's going to cause a collapse, which is coming to a lot of people. Um, we do not want to head down that road. We want to just face it and say, yeah, I did it. Yeah, I got a problem with that. I need some help. And then seek that help. Get some self-help books, whatever your religious affiliation is. Um so in this in this day and hour, I know a lot of people do not have family support. That's another uh, fake perfectionism thing where everyone likes to act like they have this perfect family and they're just so supported. And that's not the truth, because if they were, they wouldn't be toxically shamed and addicted. And, you know, that's where bullying comes from and things of that nature. So, you know, push past that as well. You have to see beyond these things and keep pushing forward. Keep moving forward. OK, so I just wanted to come and talk to you about that today. Wish me well and trying to stop smoking these cigarettes. All right. It's this humble dame coming to you guys. And I hope that you felt my humility through this. And I hope that you get help with whatever airs your soul uh, and whatever you're addicted to as well. All right. We're in this together. Bye.